Great. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, one thing that happens in this world is uh, the creation of music. Music comes out. Music comes from a lot of innovative ways. Um, people create a certain sound, and that sound becomes that. Today, I have someone with me that is part of a band, the guitarist and one of the vocalists in this also. Um, his name is Robert Andrew Wagner. And the reason that I threw Andrew in there is because there are so many Robert Wagners in the world. There's so many Robert Wagners down the street. So, Mr. Robert Andrew Wagner, can you tell us who you are, why you're here, and then please give us a great story about the name Robert Wagner. Uh, well, I'm the little wretch. Come on. Uh, I'm the... Once was lost and now was found, got wandering in the wilderness and tracing my steps back. You know, in Pittsburgh, where I'm from, if you get lost, you follow the Kennywood signs. I don't know if you've ever been to the amusement <laughs> yeah. park, Kennywood Park. Follow the Kennywood signs and then you'll know where you are. So, uh, you know, all I've ever wanted to do was write and play music I, and was lucky enough. I, I know you might ask me later about uh, my, my struggle with cancer when I was younger, but the, the blessing in that was when I, at a young age, I decided if I live, I will never, not once, ever do anything that I don't believe in, say anything I don't believe in, and nobody will bend me ever. You know, uh, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing my thing in my own time, and I'll be proud. So that's, uh, and you know, The Little Wretches is my band. So we tell stories, every story needs a context, every picture needs a frame. So, you know, the, the band is sort of like a, my vehicle for, you know, telling my stories. And, you know, with my stories, I try to honor, you know, honor the people that I grew up with, came up with, community, family, you know, okay, so fighting the good fight. Okay, so let's get to an early age real quick. What was your okay. first musical inspiration? Because everyone has one. No matter if you don't create music, like my music inspiration, and, and mind you, I'm 36 years old. So 1985, 1989, um, my mom listened to a lot of Billy Ocean. So Billy Ocean's R&B was a different type of R&B. It was kind of like, basically it was like pop R&B. So Billy Ocean is somebody that I listen to even to this day, even though his music the relevancy is a little different now. It, it didn't stand no. the test of time like other people's music, but that was my first musical influence. That's what, when I think of Caribbean Queen, uh, and, and other songs that he created. So what was your first musical experience and what was that song that gripped you and made you decide that oh, I want to be a musician? Uh, well, you know, that, that's really tough because when I was growing up, you know, we had extended family. So you didn't go to daycare, you didn't go to babysitters, you went over your cousin's house or you went over your grandmother's house. And the playroom in every house had, had a little turntable and a box of scratchy 45 RPM records. So we were all, you know, any, you know, whatever we were doing when we were playing, there were always records playing. And then of course the adults, they had vinyl LPs that you weren't allowed to touch. Uh, if you wanted to listen to one of them, you had to ask a grown-up to put it on the turntable. So it was really eclectic. Uh, I think the first uh, little 45 that I, I bought with my own money, um, I, I actually got in trouble. I, I, I bought a song called Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys. 
Oh. And then I had I had buyer's remorse. So we're at, at the shopping mall and you know, my cousin bought a record, my sister, we you know we're all walking around with our little records. And then I snuck back into the store and I put heroes and villains back on the shelf. And I, I don't know if I took light by fire by the doors or carry in by the hollies, but I switched it out. And then the you know, one of the teenage girls that worked there said, you're not allowed to do that. That's technically stealing, you know, but you did pay for it. So I'll, you know, I'll let you go. I won't call the police, but you're not allowed to do that. So I, I think the first records that I got, Windy by the Association, Carry In by the Hollies, Light My Fire by the Doors, Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys. That, that kind of like, it was all across that. And then my mom, she had polka records, you know, like on Sundays they'd play old, you know, you know, hunky polka music and they'd be dancing on the, you know, we'd be embarrassed as kids. Oh, the mom's, mom's acting like an idiot again. Uh, anything. Uh, she liked old big band stuff, Glenn Miller. Uh, the, she, they were f fond of a group called the Platters. I don't know if you, if you know the Platters. And then my dad was always singing. I thought he was crazy. He, he'd walk around singing, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. And I thought that was the silliest song in the world until I got older and found out, oh, that's an Elvis Presley song. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. I just thought my dad was nuts. But that's, uh, so what made me want to play? I don't know, just all of it. You know, what could be more fun? You, did you ever go to like a, a party when you were a kid and get a tennis racket and pretend it was a guitar? Yes. That, that we, would put, we would put on records and get the tennis rackets and pretend that we were playing. Okay. And I could see that because in my age group, Bon Jovi was really big. And, um, you know, everybody, Bruce Springsteen, you know, yeah. coming up. Some of, some of that sound. And you grew up in a period of time. You grew up in one of the eras of music the original music everything that you grew up with is things that are being sampled now now getting back over to you you, you grow up you um, become an adult as an adult what is your influence in music then what is music doing in your life in your early 20s and 30s well it, you know it's, it's different when you know somewhere along the line I, i'm sorry to say i became a snob you know, uh, like when, I, when you're a kid, you just like everything. You know, mu music, it's, it's just fun. Why would you dislike music? Music is so good. And then somewhere like when I was in high school, the cool kids liked certain kind of music. And if you were on, you know, if you like that music, oh, you, you know, you're still a child. So I don't know where, where I learned to, you know, to want to be one of the cool kids. Because I never was one of the cool kids. But uh, I, I don't know. I went from wanting to just be fun. I mean, at one point when I was a teenager, I was angry, you know, and, and I, I wanted to just kill people with my music, you know. Uh, and and then you, you get to where I'm more, more of like a poet or, or like, a, I think music gives you a chance to speak to the broadest possible audience, uh, real people, not college professors and, you know, poetry students. You know, I want to c communicate with real people, and I think song is the best way to do it. So I'm like a poet, but I communicate through, a uh, poet dramatist, but I'm communicating through songs. Uh, so I'm, I'm not even on the same page as most entertainers. Most, you know, people want you to feel good. If you want people to feel good, why don't you just sell them drugs? There's more to it than just make them feel good. You know, you want to move their hearts. You know, you want to touch them. You want to move the world. You want to move the mountains. Come on. You know, anybody could entertain you. You, any, you want to feel good? Cows in the field feel good. You want to be a cow? You know, 
Nah, there's more to it than that. We're, we're mountain movers, you know? Yes. Wholeheartedly uh, on that so. one. Now, um, get through a little bit of time. You formed bands. You had, had a band early on. Um, can you give us the name of that band? And can you tell us what it was like to have your first band? Well, it, the band was called No Shelter. I mean, this, this is like a miracle. I mean, there's, there's things in life that just should not happen. Uh, I was into like radical politics and stuff. You know, I was the, the, the typical campus radical. You know, I was angry at the world, showed up on college. It took me, I'm told it took me like five minutes to become politicized. You know, now I'm a revolutionary. And, and my best friend that we met at these like political events, we ended up becoming roommates. You know, we were both looking for an apartment at the same time, decided to become roommates. Turned out he was probably the most talented musician uh, I've ever met. He, he, he passed away. But uh, just a phenomenal, like one night I'm laying in bed and in the middle of the night I hear this blast of saxophone music. And I thought, man, that's kind of rude turning the stereo on that loud in the middle of the night. And it's like, no, that's him playing a saxophone. He's a musician. So, you know, when I had my thing with cancer, uh, you know, it, all I'd ever wanted to do was be in a band. And now here it is. I might not live. So, you know, one night we're looking at each other and I just say, we need to start a band. And that was it. That, that, was, that was no shelter. John Creighton and me, uh, you know, recruited a couple of friends to play with us. That was, back then, the punk rock scene had just happened. So you didn't have to know anything. You, you, all you had to know was who to ask for a gig, and you could get one. So, so it was like an apprenticeship, a, a chance. Because people think of punk rock, spike hair and torn shirts and leather. You could do anything under the guise of punk rock. and I mean, it was just completely open table, not what, what the stereotype is. And then after a couple of years of doing that, I kind of figured out, now what I am, I'm a lyricist, I'm a storyteller. I've got to find a way to get the story across without it getting drowned out by loud drums and loud guitars. We've got to reformat this. So what the Little Wretches is, is kind of the same impulse that drove No Shelter, except the ideas, we, we got to frame the stories, got to put the stories in context and, and pr present it in a way that people can actually hear it. Because you're putting out a lot of information live, man. You know, if the first time a person hears a live song, you're throwing a ton of information at them. And especially me, my, my songs are real word heavy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of words. So, so you got to hear them. Uh, people, uh, you know, you got to get their attention, give them a reason to pay attention and and if they do, it's like, oh man, that's really good. So I don't know. Did I tell you? Did I answer the question? Oh yes, you did. So uh, yeah. one thing I got from this, listeners, and, and I heard it. I just didn't hear these words. Your composition, the composition of your music, entails a lot of lyrical detail. So being a lyricist, and, and people try to take lyricists and put it in rap music, but being lyrically uh, on point. That's a lyricist. So you're a lyricist inside your music, and that's a hard thing to get. I want to give you a few days on that. Now, let's talk about your band members real fast. Okay. You have quite a few band members. Um, let's start off first with Rosa. Um, oh, my God. And in, in, in doing this, uh, the reason I want to do this is because when the listeners hear this, they're going to obviously go through the show notes, and they're going to get linked up to your music. But I want, to, I want you to characterize everyone in your band for me so that people can – kind of get their personality because not everybody's speaking while, you know, y'all are performing. Yeah. So, so Rose, obviously, she's speaking. So what is your take on her and what is she like in a performance? 
Well, she has charisma and she has a beauty. I mean, the first time I heard her speak, just over the telephone before we even met when she was going to audition for the group, as soon as I heard her voice, I felt, I felt like I'd known her all my life. You know, it was just like oh, instant recognition. And I mean, I love her voice. And she's, she's like, now there's good and bad to this. If the world was coming to an end and you could only turn to one person, you would turn to her, right? She's like the superhero, problem solver, resourceful, strong person. But on the other hand, when the world's not coming to an end, man, just relax, enjoy life. You know, you do not have to save the world. The world will save itself, you know. So sometimes she, she's more intense than she needs to be. She's carrying the world on her shoulders. It's like, man, just set the world down. You're going to be all right. So that's Rosa. You know, she's Wonder Woman uh, with a beautiful voice. Like uh, she grew up when she was a little girl. She liked Karen Carpenter and Barbara Streisand. And uh, you, you want to hear a heartbreaking story. When I first met her, she was so angry with her father. Like her father was a, an Italian cement worker. And she was so angry at her dad that she would not set foot on cement that he'd laid, which meant there were entire blocks of Pittsburgh she couldn't set foot on because she refused to step on cement. That, that's how mad she was at her dad. But now she's patched things up and, and I'm over there and her dad comes over and she has this sewing machine out and she's, you know, trying to sew some pillowcases or something. And she ha has all this resentment because the year she got that sewing machine, she wanted a piano. And instead of a piano, she gets a sewing machine. And her dad comes over and says, oh, you still got that thing. You know, I always wanted to get you a piano, but your mom said, What's a girl need a piano for? A girl needs to cook and sew. All those years, she was mad at her dad when it was really her mom she should have been mad at. So, yeah, so anyhow, uh, she, so she, she, can, she can sing. She, she, the, the field of beauty, if you were designing a house and you wanted somebody to do the color, she would, she would come up with an exciting, breathtaking color scheme for you. So that's Rosa Colucci. Now, on drums, you got Mike Madden. Tell us about him, what's your experience with him, and what would the world want to know about him? Okay, well, you mentioned uh, Bruce Springsteen being big, you know, with a certain group of people. We, there's a club that we played at um, called The Decade. It was a, a small club in Pittsburgh, but you, I mean, huge bands, Bruce Springsteen, U2, Meatloaf, all these great bands, if they were coming through town, they would stop off at The Decade. And uh, Mike Madden auditioned for us, but you know, we wanted to be national. We wanted to be on the road. And he was a working class dude. He couldn't tour. So he would gig with us if we needed somebody. But you know, if we were playing Milwaukee or Chicago or something, it just wasn't an option for him. He had a family to feed and, he, and a job to hold. So at one point he was playing steady with us. We played at, at the decade. And the sound man of the decade comes up and says, where did you find that guy? He's the best drummer to come through here in months. And we're talking about a place that's had Bruce Springsteen, you know, like, yeah, that's how good he is. He just rock steady, doesn't do anything flashy. You got to be a musician to appreciate. You got to play with him to appreciate it, uh, to just know that the beat's going to be there. And, <laughs> you know, uh, so, so that, that's Mike. Uh, and he's just a great dude, too. Um, okay. Now, on bass, you have John Carson. What's John? Like? Yeah. He's, okay. John. 
uh, one point, you know, talented guy, in addition to playing music, I think he teaches art at, at an alternative school in Pittsburgh. But he's, uh, he's one of the reasons why we're still the little wretches. There, there were a few times, him and the piano player, on separate occasions, when the band was about ready to fold. I was just doing acoustic duo stuff with Rosa. And then John Carson hit the band he was in, broke up. And we said, oh, well, you want to play with us? And he said, yeah, well, well okay, what are we going to call ourselves? I, said, I want to be in the Little Wretches. All right, then, the Little Wretches live. So uh, John Carson's kept, he, he lived down in Hollywood for a while. He worked in the film industry. Like if you, I think if you watch Mr. Holland's Opus and watch all the credits, you'll, somewhere in there you'll see John Carson's name. Uh, just one of those really talented Renaissance people uh, and, and as a bass player, imaginative, uh, unassuming, you know, like I've had other bass players who've heard us over the years that when they've heard him with the band, they say, oh man, that's the best bass player you ever had. Like, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you see that because he is. Uh, you know, what, what else can I say? And, and then a little bit too, he's a little bit like Charlie Brown. He's self-effacing, you know, he's, he's like, like I got this poet warrior thing. John, John wouldn't hurt a fly. Now, let's go on to your piano player, H.K. Uh, Hilner. Oh, okay. Okay. He, the H.K. is insane. H.K. Has, has a memory that you wouldn't believe. He remembers every gig he's ever played, every gig he's ever seen. His, his two big things are, as a piano player, Gustav Mahler, you know, the classical piano player, and the Rolling Stones. You could talk to, to H.K. about the Rolling Stones for weeks. He'll never... Uh, he'll never tire of talking about the role. And that's how he plays. Like, it, uh, he just has a great intuitive sense. I mean, he plays the way I, I feel a piano player should play. I guess we've listened to a lot of the same music. Uh, and, and, and at one point, again, when we were ready to pack it in, he said Rosa was his favorite singer. He wanted to play piano for Rosa. And the Little Wretches were going to record another album. Okay, HK, if you say so, we're going to do it. And that turned out to be uh, the album uh, Undesirables and Anarchists, which, which came out a couple of years ago and got us like all kinds of airplay and stuff. That's why you're talking to me now. If Undesirables and Anarchists wouldn't have been successful, uh, we might not have made the new one, but, you know, it was cool. So, so what is it like having that, that type of uh, notoriety and fame? Or no, let's take fame out of that because I don't like that word fame. Like yeah, 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 because it's not... The notoriety and the accolades, because I'll give you an example. Um, we do this small thing called Sometimes Cinema, where we come into different cities and we just rent a building. And we do uh, cult classic films with a little uh, DCP projector that I got. And, like, wow. You, you know, it's real intimate. Yeah. 14 to 30 people. It's real small. But yeah. people know me for this along with podcasting. So when they know, like, I'm going to be in Raleigh or some different town and I post up how we do it because we do it all like a mystery map like you got to figure this out to get here and all this other stuff we don't give out the full location um so that's the kind of mystery about me but it's something that i have notoriety and i'm real I, i'm more proud of that than podcasting so when someone asked about the podcast i'm like okay wow. but not sometimes send them yeah. a baby so what is that notoriety like for you because to me when someone tells me that they had a great experience at sometimes cinema i'm like that's all i wanted to do yeah, well, you know, it's 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 weird because 
Look, I'm never going to be satisfied. You know, I always want bigger. I always want more, you know, and, and I've learned to be grateful for what I have. But, uh, you know, when we started this thing, you know, look, I know I'm bringing something to the table and the people, you know, we've always had a devoted core following that thought we were going to really break through and, you know, be a household name. And obviously that didn't materialize, but uh, I've always I've always felt like on the outs. I, you know, I've, I've, one of the things I've learned about myself is I'm never going to feel like I belong. No matter what people do, I'm always going to feel like an outsider. And it, it's so weird to me when people come up and say, "Oh, I used to follow your band," and I'm like, "Wow, I." I was pretty sure I knew all of our followers. I never <laughs> met you. You mean, you mean there are people out there like you? So it's it's a cool thing, but I mean that that's that's uh, it's it's rewarding because you know I always feel like we, you know we we shot for the moon and we missed it and we're drifting out in space, but we really, you know, we're, we, we are reaching people. This, this age is so weird too, man. There's something real about being in a room with people and playing with people. I mean, that I, I trust. You know, like if I look at number of views on YouTube or number of streams on Spotify, I get these reports. It's like, oh, wow, that song's doing good. That song's doing good. But there's nothing real about it. What's real to me, like I'm talking to you right now. We're, you know, we're hundreds of miles apart, but we're actually talking to each other. Being in a room with listeners, you know, that's real to me. And, and that's, you know, the last two years with this COVID thing, that's, that's what's been so weird that, you know, my, my dream, wake up in the morning thinking about where I'm going to play tonight, what songs I'm going to hit them with, how I'm going to set it up. If there's not an audience in front of me, it doesn't even feel real. Yeah. And, I, and I can agree with that, too, because it's kind of like, um, even like with podcasting, because it's kind of similar to music, like the numbers and stuff. Like, unless we do something that I can actually see listeners in person and different things like that, it kind of has drawn me away, too. So I can see what you're saying. And, and it's like the digital age is just like, I like it when we actually do a, a show in front of people. You know, we actually take the podcast on the road, mics, cameras, and everything we do this so wow. not being able to do that and doing it like we're doing now because like if me and you have been near each other Pittsburgh to where I am you know Washington's the middle so I would have got a studio there we would have met done it or done it somewhere that was that I could get an audience of listeners and yeah I, I, I definitely get what you're saying there. and then to me you know the, the okay but, I'm sorry Linda go ahead now, I was just gonna say that you know you know, obviously I'm a little bit older and, and like a lot, I'm, I'm out in the Philadelphia area, even though, you know, most of, most of my work is still with the people around Pittsburgh. All the rest of the little wretches live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I have a woman out here named Kim Alexander that sings with a band called Hank's Cadillac. She's singing harmonies with me now out here at acoustic shows. But like the, the, the songwriters of my generation, they, they're like, they got no ambition. It's like, man, I still want to conquer the world. You know, I'm still trying to reach people. We're still trying to make a difference. This is not a hobby. You know, we're not just doing this because, uh, oh, what do you want? Let's go see our friends and play some songs. No, I want to play to people who I've never heard before, never met before, and, and move them. You know, people out here are just so comfortable. You know, I can't stand that comfortable <laughs> stuff, man. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's fight, you know? Yes. And, and, I, and I like that we're getting this turnaround that it's things are opening back up and it's starting to get a little bit more lively. I really got to see what this, not spring, but what this summer brings for us with festivals and music coming around. 
that's the one reason why I have been so eager to get musicians on here because I want people to know about their music. And, you know, you may be at some festival um, in the top of West Virginia, or you could be out in Kennett Square doing a show, and the corporate people that work with me could be there and just, and I see you, and we meet. That's yeah. the type of stuff that, like, yeah. I, I, I want to embrace and see again. Now, um, I pay homage to a show, 2020. 2020 was a news magazine, and still is, that uh, presented a lot of questions on Friday night. As a kid, um, I was very into hearing that type of news, scripted news, because that's what it is. Um, yeah. Also, would come on, he'd do a little funny bit, and his funny bit made sense. Sometimes it was, it was everything he did was comical. Diane Sawyer was a better interviewer than Barbara Walters, hands down, in my opinion. But the way that they scripted Barbara Walters, they made her like Iron Man. They made her invincible in how she could tear someone down or build them up. The main thing that she did, and whoever wrote her stuff, she made people personal. So now, Robert A. Wagner, it's your turn to get your 2020 questions. Now, the hardest thing in music is this. In quite a few opinions, it may not be the hardest thing to you, but I do want your opinion. When you are creating music, writing a song, Everybody gets a block. Something stops them. So what has happened to you? And I want to go back in time. So I want you to be thinking, Captain, go back into your memories museum. The very first song that you wrote for the Little Wretches. What stops you from completing that song the day you started? Oh, wow. Deep one. Told you. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is deep. Uh, well, striving for perfection, you know, wanting, uh, it's like refining, it's like discovering a diamond or discovering, you know, gold dust or something, you know, when, when you find it, you got to refine it and polish it and, and you might not even know what you have when you first start. You know, there's some songs that just come to you complete, you know, as, as if they were like a gift from an angel and it's just there, but others, uh, you know, you get a line, you get a little guitar riff, or, you know, you get a bass line in your head, and uh, you're not really sure if it's done. I mean, so, they tell you when they're done, uh, but sometimes that, that might take some songs, you know, six or seven years before, before they come together. And, uh, you know, so you got a notebook that thick full of lyrics, but none of them make a song yet. You know, it's you get the words and the music have to come together. Uh, and, and what I learned with the Little Wretches um, is you, you don't need to put out too much at a time. Little chunks, you know, you don't eat, have to eat the whole steak in one bite, man. You cut it into little pieces. And uh, so learning how to, you know, Put it out there one one bite at a time, one spoonful at a time, in a way that's digestible and enjoyable. Uh, try, trying to, as you're creating, being uh, imagining the experience of the audience, and you know, showing courtesy for what that experience is going to be like for them, because you want to connect. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the best I could come up with. Put on the spot like this. Yeah, that, well, that's why I said like with these 2020 questions. Now, there's a word modesty because modesty is something that you have to have with you when you're in a group of people. 
because we all have egos, no matter how we deflate them or inflate them, we all have egos. So within the band, who has to be the most modest person in the band? Are you asking me who is or who has to be? Who has to be. Oh, my. That's a hard one because you, you has to be. That means yeah. that somebody's controlling, they're controlling themselves. Yeah, well, Ugh. That's a hard I'll tell one. you who I wish was. I wish that Rosa Colucci was a little more modest. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe she's just too good to be modest. Uh, I, 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 haven't, uh, I haven't run into the modesty problem with most. We're, we're like intuitive team players. Uh, it, one, you have to have the confidence that I have something to say, right? I have something to say, but saying it in a, in, a, in a group is like I have a role to play in this statement that we're making. I understand the statement and I understand my role and I'm going to do my thing. Uh, very, w with our band, uh, it's, it's just happened to, I, 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 I tell them, you know, my song is a vehicle for me I want you to hop in. You do your thing. You you play whatever you want. I'll tell you if I don't like it. But otherwise, assume you have license. I don't want to have to think about the drums. That's a drummer's job. I don't have to think about the bass. That's a bass player's job. And uh, so they're all, I mean, everybody has to be equally modest in the sense that, you know, we're speaking together. You know, it's like a theater group. You know, we're pre presenting a scene and we all have our part. Uh, of course, you know, I want to be in the spotlight, man, but but that Rosa wants to be in the spotlight. All right, so, so Who, now, who's going to teach that girl modesty? Nobody, nobody. Modesty yeah, can't, can't be taught. Yeah, modesty can't be no. taught. That's something you get at age one to two, and if you don't have it, you don't show it at 10 years old. Now, yeah. um, you write songs, you create songs, and uh, the one behind the scenes thing I like to let the listeners in on is um everybody has uh you have a group mts that uh, you deal with that management group they send out certain songs they sent a song to me called running okay that's rosa yeah, yeah so running when i heard it i was like I, I listened to it and um when i listen to music just like the headphones i have on i listen intensely to everything so played that song played it in the shower you know not in the shower but the shower speaker yeah Played it on the Bluetooth audio in the car, then actually let it run through the AUX port because I want to hear everything and hear every part of the song. And it caught me, so I, I, I let Michael know. I'm like, hey, I want to have them on the show. Uh -huh. and, and the cool thing about that is that, you know, initially you, know, you have somebody that's taking care of that, that portion for you. They sell an image, but your music sells the full image. Like, it, it carries you on. So what inspired running? And, and and here's the big thing with this, because this is where the 2020 part comes in. And what does this song mean to you now than before? Uh, oh, my. Well, one, when, when, when the album that it's on came out, I was surprised that everybody didn't jump on that song first. Uh, because, you know, I love Rose's singing voice and she sings lead on the song. I think that's the only one on the album she sings lead on. Uh, but Running, I wrote that specifically for her. 
Uh, and she, look, it's not my story to tell, and I don't want to violate her privacy, but she's been on her own since she was 15. Okay. Uh, you, you know, and I told you she, you know, very angry with her dad. Uh, so she, she's been on her own. She, she's supported herself. She never really graduated from high school, but she graduated second in her class at Point Park University. Uh, you know, she's just a phenomenally talented person, a very strong-willed problem solver, independent thinker. And I, so I wanted somehow to get that, you know, being at home isn't safe. You can't stay home. You got to go. You got to get up and go. It's easier to adjust to these indignities and, and these uh, abusive relationships. You, it's, don't adjust to that. Never get comfortable with being abused. You got to get out. So uh, I wanted to put that in. And then I was thinking, you know, I'm watching, th thinking I'm going to write a song for Rose, and I'm watching that movie, The Ten Commandments. Oh, wow. You ever see the Ten Commandments where yes. they're going to part the, part the seas? And I'm thinking, like, the average Israelite is probably just going along with the crowd. Like, you mean we're going to run into that sea? No, no, really, it's going to open up for us. We'll be all right. You're crazy. I'm not. Everybody else, well, I can't stand here because the army's coming after me. Okay, I'm going along with the crowd. Running was the only thing to do, so I ran. Uh, but all I really wanted was, you know, a moment's peace. All I really wanted was a little bit of safety and peace of mind. Uh, and so that's what I put the Ten Commandments of what I knew of Rosa's life into that song. And uh, I liked, I mean, I love that song, man. I, I could, I love it. And, and out here in, in the Philly area, Kim Alexander likes that song too. When she heard it, she said, oh, I want to sing Running. Like, okay, cool, cool, because I sure can't sing it. I'm glad you like it. I don't think I answered the 2020 question, but that's the story behind the song. And that's what we want there. Is that right there gives it in-depth, and that's probably one of the, the multiple gems that you put in this episode thus far. Now, um, you're at a turning point right now. you got a new album out, or coming out. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to, to introduce this to the crowd, and I'd like to give you, I want you to give us the meaning behind the side dish. So please tell us All right. the name of this album. Okay, the name of the album is Red Beets and Horseradish, which, uh, you know, and in fact, the more I think about it, the more those, if, if somebody asks, what are three words to describe the little wretches? Like a red beets and horseradish. That doesn't sound very musical, but red like blood, beets like the roots, you know, and horseradish like that fiery flavor that will clean out your sinuses in a minute. The, I, it's like an ethnic dish. I grew up eating that every like Easter season. You know, mm -hmm. my grandmother would make it. And, you know, I had a hankering for it. I wanted to make some. I was like, man, when was the last time I had red beets and horseradish? So I tried to make it. And I didn't quite get it. So what's the right proportion between the beets and the horseradish? And I looked it up on the, online trying to find a recipe. And I discovered that for most people in Eastern Europe, like, like the Serbians, the red is the blood of their people and the, the, the and the horseradish is the bitterness of their suffering. For a lot of the Christian Eastern European, or like Eastern Orthodox people, it's red is the blood of their savior, and the, the horseradish is the bitterness of his suffering. And then for the Jews, since they don't, have, they don't consume any blood, the red is just there for flavoring, 
but the horseradish is their bitterness of their suffering and bondage. And when I saw all that, well, that, that's thematically, that's what the little wretches are all about, you know. So uh, that, that was going to be the... And then, then the album, all the songs on the album, There's we got songs about sick people, crazy people, old people, alone people. And it, it ought to be depressing. But I don't think it's depressing because it's, what it's really about is like that indomitable fire that keeps them going. You know, you, you might not trade, trade places with me, but you're never going to make me quit, you know. Uh, so okay, now on I this album, I want to talk about one track real quick, if you don't mind. It's all okay. between me and God. Okay. Okay. Now, well... Go ahead to ask me the question then. All right, all right, no, 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 no. This is what I wanted you to do real quick. I, I want to go through the whole track list, but I, but I thought about this while we were doing this. I need people to pick this up because this will be up real soon. So all between me and God, because I got it in advance uh, just today. So in my travels, okay. I was able to listen to everything. But it's all between me and God, and everybody has their their pick on what they like. That stuck with me. So that song right there, oh, I need thanks. you to explain to me where this song came from. Um, what inspired it and why this song should be one of the top songs on this album? Oh my, well, okay, that's what, that's what, it's a song that, you know, I've worked on for a long time and, and it, it, it combines a few things. Just, just the beginning line, everyone who knew me, they're all gone. Uh, the, ba the you know, my original bandmates are the Little Wretches. John Creighton's gone. My brother Chucky Wagner's gone. Bass player Ed Heidel's gone. And it's almost like when, like I always wondered, there was something strange about those guys. They were so talented. Why are they working with me? Why aren't they doing their own thing? It's like, I think now that they kind of knew they weren't going to be around long. They weren't, they weren't ever going to be around to finish anything, but they could help me start my thing. So, you know, I mean, the, really the, the first thing I was thinking of is, you know, the, the people, my best friends, I mean, this is almost pathetic, but the people I've loved the most in the world, the people I feel the closest to, they don't walk the earth anymore. Like when, when I'm thinking, am I, I'll think of what John would say or what Ed would say or what my little brother would say. Uh, I will never have, I don't think I'll ever have friends that close again. Uh, and then I, you know, I heard my father-in-law say something similar, you know, like he's, you know, 90 years old. Everybody he knows, they're gone. You know, what, what's, what's left for him to do but go down to Wendy's and drink coffee, you know, that, that loneliness. Uh, and then uh, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cool Hand Luke. There's a scene in Cool Hand Luke where, you know, Luke's a prisoner and he's kind of won the confidence of all the, uh, all the other prisoners. And they're all working out on the road and this big thunderstorm, lightning storm breaks out. And he's out, all the other prisoners go running into the truck. And he says, come on in, Luke, ain't you scared of dying? And he looks up and says, he can have my life any old time. Come on, old timer, are you up there? Just what I thought, standing in the rain talking to myself. Of course, that's where the downfall of the character Luke begins in the, in the story arc there. So I, I have like the bridge is that. And uh, that's, uh, it's kind of like wrestling with God, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm getting close to the end here and me and you, we're beefing still, God, you know. Uh, and, and, and like in re the religious world, you can't wrestle with God, but actually in the, like in scripture, I, I don't know if it's Jacob, one, you know, one of those Bible characters, 
wrestles with God and suffers a dislocated hip. But that's, you know, that's to me, you know, I, I'm a, I don't like the hand I was dealt, you know. So that's, it's, it's all between me and God. Uh, you can wait me out, you can starve me out, you can lock me out, love me, kill me, let me know you're there, you know. Now, from this album, of course, is, I'm a believer, but you know. Okay. Now, from this album, what is your favorite track? Because everybody has, when they create music, they love every song that they have. But there's some songs that just, you just can just tap into and like, this is me. So on this album, what what is your the song that she on here? That's a better way to ask. Uh, well, you know, I listen to things differently than other people listen to them. You know, most most of the people in the band they. They want Palms and Crosses to be the, the single and Loving Kindness to be a single. Uh, lyrically, the song that I'm most proud of is a song called Duquesne, which is really the story of my grandmother who, you know, she worked all of her life. She was the first female crane operator in the history of United States Steel, right? She came over from Europe thinking she was coming here to go to college. It, she came here as part of an arranged marriage. And uh, she st stayed with her husband until their kids were raised, and then you know, then she went on her own. But she, uh, a philosopher, the mind of an engineer, never learned to read English. Worked every day, and then when finally she was forced to retire, she would get up, hop on the bus, go into downtown Pittsburgh like she was going to work, and sit in church. And then at the end of the day, when it was time to go home from work. And she'd hop on the bus and go home. She didn't have it in her to stay home. She had to get up and go, but now there's no place to go. So it's really the song, uh, a lot of it's in the first person, things that I actually heard her say. Uh, you know, like how, how Americans, they take for granted. You live in homes you didn't build, eating food you didn't grow, traveling roads you didn't clear, work for bosses you don't know, someone picks up your garbage, you get your water through pipes and your power through cables like a God-given right. You know, it's like, oh man, my grandmother said that and I got to put it in a song. <laughs> now I made it rhyme, she didn't make it rhyme, but, but all that wisdom uh, in there. So I'm proud of that song, I hope people like it. Okay. Uh, I mean, the music's gotta speak for itself. You know, you never hear yourself the way other people hear you. You know, other people don't, you, you bring your own set of experiences to it. Some people won't like it at all. But I, I, I know I got my thing across. <laughs> okay. Now, um, one thing we do on the show, we do something called the shameless plug. And the reason we do the shameless plug is because even though we have show notes that go along with this, people always, when they hear something, they're on their phone. Some people have it playing on Alexa, they're still on their phone. So, real quick. Mr. Wagner, can you do this for me? Can you give a shameless plug to where everybody can meet, greet you, find you on the internet, and become part of your persuasion? Well, look, go to littlewretches.com and you'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about the band. But really, I mean, we're everywhere. There's, there's hundreds of hours of live footage. Go to YouTube and type in the Little Wretches. Uh, see us in various carnations of the band. Uh, so we're everywhere. You know, if you like music, take the browser, your search, type in the little wretches. But uh, really, our website has the whole story. Okay. I don't know, man. That's all I got. 
And I want to thank I you. I don't do much. Instagram and all that other stuff. All right, so no social media, but definitely go to the website because that's the best way to find them, audience. Now here, uh, guys, real quick. Uh, this has been an amazing interview for me because I'm learning about somebody that's right up the road from me, you know? And you've been a musician through probably some of the greatest evolutions of music, we'll say, up into the middle of the 90s, after the middle of the 90s. I'm going to kind of say that creativity went a different route. Not going to disrespect it, but just yeah. not going to say it's the same as I grew up in. From 85 to 95, amazing time for me. But that's it, not nor here nor there. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on West Virginia Commonplace. And a lasting impression is something that we do in podcasting. And it's a bit of an advertisement to a degree. So I'm going to paint your scenario like this. There's a billboard. And it's in let's see, West Mifflin. That, that sounds about right. Okay. All, All right. right so, out, so out there. And... It, this billboard has to depict the highs and lows, or we'll just say the rise, the struggle, the fall, and the return of you as a person. So what would be the statement that would be on this billboard? Oh, my. Yeah, see, now I'm having all these. I'm making all these lyrical connections. There, there's a there's a song by a guy I really like named Jim Carroll where he says, "It's too late to fall in love with Sharon Tate, but it's too soon to ask me the words I want carved on my tomb." And I feel like you're asking me for the words, the little poem on my on my tombstone, but you're putting on a billboard in West Mifflin. Oh dear, uh, me. Uh, Yeah, man, I ain't, I ain't nothing. You, you, uh, the the cornerstone of our of our band is actually about my friend John Creighton. It's a song called "Born with a Gift." Uh, that, that that would be that would be his slogan. That would that would be our slogan, the Little Wretches slogan, "Born with a Gift." You know, you got to figure out how to use it. You know, you don't. Uh, you got it, but what do you do with it? You know. That's, that's the challenge. That's the challenge for all of us. It's, it's a weird world out there because everybody tells you, you can't do what you believe in. You can't do what you want. You got to get real. It's like, you know what? You can invent yourself. You can create yourself. You, but you have to have, you got to find that gift and you got to go with it. All, everything you got. You know, where it leads, that's not under your control. But what you, you know, you can't quit. You got to fight. Every day you get up, you fight the fight with joy. That's my two cents. Can can you fit that on a billboard? We can put it on one of those little, uh, I call it Titan Trons. You'd have to have like the little. Yeah, yeah, the jumbo. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'd have to do that with all that. So definitely. Yeah. Um, so Rob Wagner, I want to thank you for coming on here. And let's correct one thing. Robert A. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, it depends on, you know, if it's just me, I'll say Robert Andrew Wagner. But, but now I started to call myself Robert Wagner of the Little Wretches plus Kim Alexander for my shows out here in Philly. And then, you know, back in Pittsburgh, they're not going to, that Robert Andrew Wagner stuff isn't going to fly back there. It's just the Little Wretches, you know, because that Wagner can get about to stay in his place. Don't get a big head, you know. It's the Little Wretches, even though almost all my shows are just me. Okay. So I want to thank you for coming on. And um, everybody that listens to this show, you know the usual spiel I give. Uh, go check out this this uh, over at uh, www.wvuncommonplace.com. Y'all know the Instagram handles. You know all 13 social medias we're on. 
Um, the amazing thing though with this and with uh, quite a few future episodes, MTS management is amazing when it comes to how they deliver yeah. their artists, the content, and the presentation that they do. So I want to give a big shout out to Mike and everybody over there that's taking care of things over there because without them, um, these musical episodes that I like to do, um, and even meeting you and um, being being uh, able to get entranced in your music wouldn't be possible without him and everyone that's over there. So big shout out to those guys over there. And the lasting impression I want to leave with everyone is this. When it comes to music, you need to go listen to the Little Wretches. You need to go support them. Uh, Pittsburgh stand up for them. West Virginia definitely stand up for them. Um, and there's great music coming real soon. So in closing, I say this, the little wretches is where you need to be. And on that note, I am JR from West Virginia and commonplace, and we are signing off.